0: Hi, gorgeous. This is episode number 121 with Dove Gordon, the alchemist entrepreneur.
1: Hi, this is Dove Gordon, and you are listening to Heart Cells Podcast with Christine
0: Schlonsky. Enjoy. I am so excited to have Dove Gordon back on the show today. And today we are going to talk about foundations and what foundations have to do with the fact that you might not really have the results you are desiring right now. I hope you have subscribed to Heart Sells Podcast. Please leave a rating and a review. And also please share it with two of your amazing friends because we want to build a tribe of heart sellers having fun while selling, being authentic and true to their values and delivering amazing, amazing value to their tribe. So let's dive in with Dove. Dove helps consultants and experts to get ideal clients consistently because there are millions and millions of consultants and coaches out there who are really, really good at what they do, but they are not really the charismatic guru types. And also they don't want to be. They love their work and all they want is a consistent flow of great clients. Clients who value their expertise and who value who they are as people. And also pay them well for it. Dove and his small team take a tactic agnostic approach. They help you build a strong strategic foundation and to apply it to build a simple client-getting system that is best for you. So excited that Dov is back, so let's dive in. I am so happy you are back on Heart Sales Podcast. Welcome, Dov.
1: Great to be back. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, so exciting. I loved our first conversation. and What really, really stuck with me is that no, well, I made it up. You don't call it like this, but the no fluff strategy where you actually produce something that you've sold for years and then decided, all right. I'm just gonna give it away because it adds so much value to people and when they read it when they learn from it when they're done with it they have such a better understanding of how they can take their business to the next level and if they then feel like I would be the perfect coach or mentor or consultant they will come and you know you don't need to do anything basically you just need to hold that space and you know have a phone number or conversation with them and i really love that that strategy so what what made you decide to switch from going from paid to actually offering it for free so yeah
1: well the I, i wrote this manual we call it my manual because it's just kind of the basics uh i mean and and by the way basics in the sense that like you know i remember hearing that uh A white belt learns the basics, and a black belt is learning the same basics. You know, the same whatever seven moves, whatever, depending what karate school you're, you know, martial arts school you're a part of. But uh, it's just at a much higher level. So anybody who's uh, who doesn't think they need to master the basics, I would suggest that in almost every single case, if you're not getting the results you want, there's something foundational that's missing from what you're doing day to day. It's not something fancy. It's something foundational in, in almost every single case. Um, so I wrote it in about six weeks, um, put a lot of, you know, I think I probably put three and a half, four hours a day over about six weeks, uh, really just working at it. The hardest part I think was eliminating, was cutting out, was because I, I did not want to have, um, I just was not interested in sharing everything that I knew uh, I was not interested in justifying the value. Well, I'll actually, explain what I mean by that because I, you know, any of all of us know a lot, but that's not necessarily what our reader or our client needs to know, right? Yeah. The you know, in a day a day and age like we have today, where there is so much information, there is information overload of all the time. Um, the The greatest value that we can bring to somebody is not to give them more information. The greatest value is is to eliminate and say. I'm going to focus you on the critical 10% that gives you 90% of what you want. If you, you know, I, I realized years ago um, that I, I think of this as the, I am not Abe Lincoln problem. Abraham Lincoln being uh, president of the United States, uh, one of the greatest, uh, you know, by most accounts, he grew up in poverty in the backwoods of Illinois. Kentucky I forget and you know he, he lived you know a mile two miles miles from a neighbor no books no libraries down the block or you know Kindle right so he read he would have to walk a mile to a neighbor to borrow a book and then read it and then return it and and and, and he read the classics you know the Bible Pilgrim Pilgrim's Progress and, and other books I forget the, the whole list but he he read the, these classic books again and again and again and it affected his thinking and it affected his language. It helped his it deepened, it gave him a deeper understanding of people. If you think about, about you know, books that have lasted the, the, the test of time like that, in some way they're talking to us. They're talking to something that's deep inside all of us that, that really resonates. And, in, in, you know, that went into him. He didn't just, uh, you know, read Thousands of books, he read maybe a, a, a couple of dozen, but you know, or a few dozen, but he read them repeatedly, and they impacted him. And I think that today we have the opposite problem: the I'm not Abraham Lincoln problem. Because I know I've got, I probably have more books in my Kindle library and my iPad or phone than he read in his whole life, probably. Uh, our problem is depth. Our problem is mastery or lack of it. Our problem is depth of understanding. Our problem is thinking that I need to know more when really I need to more deeply understand what I already know. Our problem is I wake up in the morning and I say, well, hey, I've I've got this really valuable skill set. I can, you know, really help these types of people. How do I get clients? And then we watch a webinar or whatever it might be. We read a book and then we think, oh, okay, I got it now. And we take a step and we start, you know, working on it. We make some progress and then we hit a wall. And we hit the wall, and right away, we fall into the clutches of the three doubts. The three doubts are, uh, am I doing the right thing? Am I doing it right? And then, how come it's not working for me? Or will it ever work for me? And, And almost as quickly, suddenly, we start to think, well, I must not know enough. So like the Roomba vacuum cleaner, we hit the wall. I must not know enough. We bounce off in another direction looking for more knowledge, more information, another book, another course, another program, and so on. What we really need though is we need someone to look at what we're doing and say, "Oh, hit you hit hit the wall." And then am I doing the right thing? This part of what you're doing is is good, is right. This part is a little off, fix this, right? Good. Now hit the wall, take a chip out of it. Hit the wall, take a chip out of it. And then you continue. Instead of bouncing off, you continue. You hit the wall, you take a chip out of it. You hit the wall, take a chip out of it. And at some point you know, like you know it's just not going anymore, right? You, the chips aren't falling anymore. You feel like something changed. Something's off. And then you turn around to your mentor, your coach, whoever it is that has already done what you're trying to do. And, and you say, well, am I doing it right? And they look at what you're doing and they say, this part's right. This part's a little off. Let's adjust this. Let's fix that. Make that change. Good. They could see in in minutes what would take you years to see for yourself. We just can't see it for ourselves, even if we can often see it for somebody else, by the way. Sometimes we could. Sometimes we can't. So, and then again, you're back. Now hit the wall, take a chip out of it, hit the wall. Until again, you get stuck and you start to wonder, is this ever going to work for me? You know, why isn't it working for me? And they say, you're doing the right thing. You're doing it right. Now it's a matter of doing it. Continue doing it. And then because you have that confidence, I know, you know, we talked about confidence, uh, the other conversation, it's something that comes up a lot on your podcast, right? Because you have the confidence of a simple repeatable process that actually makes sense to you, and a mentor behind you who's helping you deeply understand the thinking, the ideas that you've already acquired. You're able to keep hitting, and then one day you hit the wall, and then suddenly the wall crumbles. And it's at that moment you're like, "Wow!" You know, the dust is flying everywhere. You hit the like, the wall crumbles. You step through that wall. It's at that moment that you understand all that information you've been collecting, because as I said in our other conversation. In order to, for us to break through, in order for us to get to a point where we can um, like really have that next the, – the, the stereotypical or the, 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 uh, you know, the, the breakthrough, the, that next level, whatever it is for each of us, we need to learn something different. Okay? The way I see it is that there are three, three – we don't need more and more information. We need, to, we need to change how we think. We need to change how we feel, our emotional mastery, and we need to change how we work. Okay, those are really the three things we need to learn. So in order to have that, it's not about more information, but but we do have to come to understand something. I need to learn I need that some kind of a learning experience, but it's not something you can get from a book. It's not something that anybody can just tell it to you, oh, this is how it is. It's something you have to learn from your own experience. The problem is if we bounce off and run another direction thinking I don't know enough, we don't have enough experience. We never get to that point. So we really need a combination of what I think of as you, you, you gotta mastery has three levels. We talk about the path of the charismatic guru and the path of mastery before. To me, mastery is, um, there are three parts to it. Number one is you have to know what information actually matters. There is so much information out there. And this is why, you know, what I, I really made an effort to uh, eliminate everything but what you really need to know. There's so much knowledge and information out there. You need somebody to be able to help you understand, you know, Christine, this is the critical 10% that will give you 90% of what you want. This is the critical 10% that makes you look brilliant 90% of the time. For now, ignore the 90%, focus on the 10%. If, if you don't have that mentor, that coach helping you see that, then you're, not, you're going to waste years of your life trying to figure out for yourself what is the 10% that actually gives you 90% because wow. that's a fact. That's the way the world is. And then – you need to take, you need to study that 10%. And then you need to go out and implement it. That's the second step. You need to do something with it. Use it, live it, right? And, um, and, and that's, you know, you've got to hit the wall, right? Um, and, and then when you go out and do something, you're going to have experiences. Some of it, you're going, you can get some kind of results. Some of those results you're going to like, some of them you're not going to like. And then the third step is you go back to your coach, your mentor and say, hey, you taught me this. Here's what I did with it. And these are the results. Some of them I like, some I don't like. And help me improve. And your coach, your mentor looks at what you're doing. And in an instant or minutes or maybe hours, they can see precisely what you need to change because they could see what you cannot because they've already learned these things by their own experience. And they can point you and say, this is what matters. This is what doesn't. Make this change. You then have to go back and still live it yourself before you can really understand it. When the wall crumbles, you suddenly understand the things you already knew. It's like the light, it's, it's not, I mean, it's like, I remember the first time I did an online launch and I'm not a fan of launches. I don't do launches anymore, but I didn't know. Everybody was doing launches and I thought I should do a launch. I spent about three months setting it up between figuring out a membership site and I didn't I didn't know what I did, was getting into. I didn't know what I didn't know. This is going back quite a number of years. And then I made, I think I made one sale of seven hundred and fifty dollars. But as soon as I finished that last teleseminar, and I was obviously very frustrated, disappointed. Uh, there was teleseminars back then, webinars were not as popular and or easily available. I suddenly understood advice that I'd been getting all along. Suddenly certain things click into place. It's like the wall fell, the wall crumbled, and I was standing there in the dust and I finally understood it. In that sense, I, you know, I, I'd had a certain success. I finally got it. I learned what I needed to learn so that the next time it was better, the next time it was better. And interestingly, when, when you step through the wall, and as, as you're brushing yourself off and patting yourself on the back and feeling really good about yourself, you look up and, and suddenly you see that right, right there, right off in the not too distant, uh, <laughs> distance over there is another wall, and it's <laughs> taller and it's thicker, and that's what life is. Life is the opportunity to keep growing and learning, yeah. and to and and the, the irony is that we you know we all are looking to creatively contri- contribute to others. That's that's what our businesses are about. If we can cre- you know, create in a way that contributes, we're all creators. We're creating something, even if it's if it's consulting and giving advice, but it's it's getting better at that. You would know, think that. You know, If I'm good at this, if I can help people, they'll line up and buy, right? No, but the world is in such a way uh, that you have to earn the right to lead people. Sales is leadership. They're looking for leadership in a certain area. The challenge is that you have to become better and better and better, not just at your core craft, but at communicating about it, getting it out, letting people know what you can do for them. And in some way that like, we have to grow before we're able to lead. And um, let's see, though, that was quite a tangent because I think I started explaining about writing the manual.
0: Yeah, but and it fits I... into one thing to the other. So it was very, very valuable. And, and people can actually get the manual at uh, dovegarden.net slash hardcells. And I will also put a link, obviously, in the show notes. But I, what you said something, I mean, you said a lot of amazing things, and I definitely have to re-listen myself to catch all the golden nuggets. But there was something that you said at the beginning where if something doesn't work, it's usually something off on your basics. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I was like, wow, that's so true. Because I remember, I've been in high-ticket sales for such a long time And whenever things stopped working for me, I always had to find my way back to the basics, like picking up the phone, making that call, right? Going back to Mm -hmm. the original pitch, so to speak. And it's so interesting because it is so true. But on the way to mastery, of course, we do experience a little bit here and we try different things. But coming back to the basic is so magical.
1: Yep.
0: So I, I think that's so important that people get that concept that it's not the amount or the number of advice you receive or information you can gather. It's really what you, you do with them.
1: Yep. Yeah, absolutely. And, and f- for whatever reason, the... Anything but the basics, you know. The the is the shiny objects, the you know the the expensive. The uh, you know, it's all more attractive uh, superficially, right? For whatever reason, we have to learn to enjoy the basics. Um, I remember reading a, on a blog post by James Clear. He wrote uh, Atomic Habits, I think his book is called. Um, this is long before his book. He he talked about how uh, it, he was at the gym one day, I think this is what it was, the gym one day, and a a well-known coach who'd walked in, he'd coached Olympic athletes, was in the gym that day, and he went over and asked him, so what's the difference between you know, someone who's really good and someone who makes the Olympics? And I'm paraphrasing from memory, obviously. You can look it up, uh, find it on his website. But the the coach told him that the real difference is that those who really our Olympic level are the ones who show up every day and they do the repetition. They push through the boredom. They push through, you know, they do what has to be done. Mm-hmm. Whereas most people are looking for something more exciting Yeah. and someone else. I'm just remembering now. Um, I think this is uh, Dean Jackson. I think uh, direct marketer, I think the way he said it is just going back so many years, it just popped into my head. He says, I'd rather have, because most people want to have an exciting business and therefore they have boring lives. Because they're so caught up in the fires of their business. I want to have a boring business so I can lead an exciting life.
0: Well, I I want both.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, okay.
0: But talking about taking it several years back, (laughs) what was the first thing that you ever sold in your life?
1: I believe the first thing I ever sold was a magic show. Um, I was uh, as a kid, I as a kid, I was a magician, an amateur and then a semi professional, um, you know, and even as a 10, 11, 12 year old, I, 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 I was doing some a small show here or there for a birthday party, or I did one on our front porch. I remember maybe more than one inviting the neighbors. So that's sales. You have to sell, you know, you have to sell yourself as a, as a performer. Um, I was pretty good. I don't think I had necessarily any tremendous the unique talent there, but, but I put in the work and I mastered certain tricks and I, um, it was good. You know, I, it was fun. I, I also did the you know, the selling candy bars and chocolate bars in, in school, but that, that came later.
0: Mm. So did you, did you charge for your show or was it more like getting people into the room?
1: Well, I, there are sometimes where like there were I, I did some some birthday parties uh, so that you charge for that. I did uh, I did some uh, where it was uh, kind of like I remember some organization, a couple organizations would. You know, uh, I did a show for some fair or carnival they were they were having. So yeah, um, there was also one thing I did on our front porch for the neighborhood kids. I I don't know if I charged for that. I don't know. I don't remember <laughs>
0: probably everybody could give their chocolates if they wanted to <laughs> yeah, I suppose so I uh, would I mean, do you remember when you actually received money for the first time you delivered that service?
1: I think I do um, I think I remember uh, you know maybe you know a particular show I did for some. You know, to help raise money for for some organization they were having some carnival and 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 they did pay me. Uh, I definitely remember later experiences where i was uh, as a sixteen year old i was i was uh, doing I had a very short lived stint doing magic for adults at a kid's indoor amusement park. The adults would come and drop their kids off to play for a couple of hours in in the balls and whatever they had there and the adults would sit you know you know order pizza and wait so the guy. Um, hired me to go table to table and um, it was it was really good experience unfortunately didn't last very long because about a month after uh, after he hired me they they went out of business I think he might have been paying me too much but uh, (laughs) but but I do remember that I got one tip I got one tip from from uh, doing doing that and it was the guy who at first didn't want me to perform he's like no no nothing and, and I, I somehow, I don't remember what I said or exactly what I did, but he agreed. He was, okay, fine. And then he enjoyed it so much that he actually, he was the, the one person I remember who gave me a tip. I, I don't know why, if, you know, if tipping is common for a magician in a restaurant or not, but uh, um, yeah, so, so I guess that was a sale as well.
0: Yeah, cool. Then I was
1: a little earlier though.
0: Yeah, and do you remember what, I mean, was it like easy for you to accept the tip?
1: I think it was easy to accept that tip, but in terms of being comfortable charging what I'm worth, that's something that I've uh, definitely had to get better at over the years, becoming uh, more comfortable, you know, even charging friends or neighbors for business. To look, you know, happy. If we're doing something as friends and neighbors, it's one thing. If we're doing something that's business, it's something else. Um, interestingly enough, I do remember performing for a birthday party as a kid and being stiff, uh, not being paid when I should have been paid. And, uh, the uh, mother of the birthday girl, um, somehow, met, you know, a relative, so maybe that's how she got away with it. I don't think she actually meant it in a negative way, but um, somehow she's like presented it as it was, oh, wonderful, and it was my opportunity to, to perform, and wasn't I happy about that? And uh, I'm not sure where the communication broke down, but I did. Not, I never did get paid from that, and I still remember.
0: Oh, so, uh, yeah. I think th- those little things often we keep them with us and it does influence when we ask for money, when we make our offers or create our offers, that um, often that could be a stumbling block um, because of these experiences as as a child.
1: Could be. I mean, I, in my case, I don't know if it's that, but I definitely had to grow through the, through the point of where you're uncomfortable asking for money. I mean... I was, um, I might still be sometimes, but not in the usual situations that I find myself at this point. And you really just have to be really clear that and recognize that I pay people what what they ask when I want service or product. I, I don't, you know, most of the, most of us who are, you know, uncomfortable receiving money, we wouldn't think twice about paying somebody else what they deserve, what we feel like. We're, we're very fair and we're not, we're not the trying to drive hard bargains usually, uh, at least this our type of person like that, right? Um, and you need to recognize that. Why am I willing to pay somebody else? It's because I recognize the value. I recognize the value and I need to recognize my own value to the person who I'm selling it to. And I also think that pricing is a matter of growing confidence. Um, so I don't think the idea of pricing is where, hey, you, know, you should be charging at least $10,000 or $15,000 or $25,000 for this or that service. Um, that's the kind of advice that some people are giving. In my view, pricing is a function of a number of different things, including your own confidence. And if you're charging $1,000 for something and someone comes along and says you should be charging 20000 for that, uh, you probably should aim for twenty thousand, but but start by going up to fifteen or two thousand or twenty five hundred, or maybe five, because if you start charging a price that you are just it's just too far out of your realm of experience or understanding, you're going to drive the client away. It's not going to work. So there's a you know pricing is an interesting thing. It's a combination. People even if we're pricing. I generally believe in pricing by value when you can and you can more often than, than many people realize. Um, but you need a client who perceives that value, who has the ability to pay for that value and not everybody does and they want and they see that you are the only person really or the best person to deliver that value. And you need to see very much the same things. And when, when that's where you can all meet and exchange, um, a, a generous fee where everybody feels like they're getting a great deal. Hmm. Um, but you know, part of the problem with a lot of the advice out there, like, "Oh, you should be charging whatever," you know, such a uh, you, you you come across that. It's maybe it's been a while since I've actually heard it myself, but um, I do remember people giving me advice. Oh, yeah, everyone, you got to charge at least this amount. Why? Because um, because that's what everybody charges, or that's what you should charge. But it's not true, and it's a pitfall that you need to be aware of. And again, go back to your own common sense. You know, um, I don't know where we're doing with time, but this is, a, I think, a, a key idea to uh, wrap up with. Um, there are people who are really good at what they do, and that's why they left the corporate world and they want to start up as consultants or experts of one kind or another. And really good at what you did because you approached your craft with common sense you mastered your craft. I don't care if you're a logistics, logistics expert or a leadership consultant or a marketing consultant of one kind or another, and we've actually worked with many, You know, they need, even marketing consultants need help with marketing and sales. We all need some help. You have to realize that, just like a, you're not gonna become a great heart surgeon or a great logistics expert or anything, by following somebody's five-point checklist, their blueprint for whatever, right? The same thing is true with marketing and selling your expertise. It is not as simple as flipping a light switch where you do not have to have any understanding of how it works. There are new, it's a nuanced skill set. And the same, just like you would never, never have believed anybody who come and tell you, hey, you can master logistics by just, you know, just do what I did, just do this, that, and that. And then you too will be like a, a world-renowned expert on complicated logistics or whatever it might be. Just like you wouldn't believe that, don't believe it when it comes to marketing and sales because it's not true. And the sooner you understand that, the sooner you'll, you'll raise your standards in terms of the kind of help you're actually looking for. So bring common sense to the next journey of turning your expertise into a thriving, profitable business for yourself. That's my final thought.
0: That's a wonderful wrap-up of this episode. Thank you so, so much. There were so Thank many you. nuggets. So, Yeah. <laughs> Have a really wonderful day and let us know again where we can get the wonderful manual.
1: Yes, uh, dovegordon.net forward slash heart cells, dot nnet forward slash heart cells. And uh, just take a very simple, step-by-step, um, thoughtful action plan approach to some of the ideas that we talked about last time and, and this time as well. Um, really, it's called a manual because it's like, you know, here's the thinking and here's what you do. Here's the thinking. Here's what you do. You got it, You need both.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you so much and have a wonderful day. You too. Well, I'm so grateful for another episode with Dove Gordon. Make sure you hop on over to christineschlonsky.com, find the podcast tab and get your free manual that provides amazing, amazing value and really will help you on your journey to get your ideal clients consistently. Thank you so much for tuning in. Make sure you subscribe to Hard Cells Podcast. And thank you so much for leaving a rating and a review, plus sharing it with your friends. I can't wait for you to tune into the next episode. Have a wonderful day wherever you are. And I'm saying bye for now.